Welcome to the return slot of horror. A podcast set in the basement of a video store much like the one from your youth. A place where Mickey, Marika, and Michelangelo hang out after hours, talk about horror films, and can't seem to agree on much other than their love for the genre. So grab a drink, be careful on the stairs, and don't be the last one left in the basement at the end of the night. <laughs> Welcome, listener, to the return slot of horror. We are a, if you're listening for the first time, we're a podcast recorded in the basement of our video store. Uh, usually there's three of us. Today there's only two of us, but we are three friends who own and operate a video store. After hours, we like to hang out in the basement, crack open a drink, and discuss our beloved genre, horror. This genre has intrigued, disturbed, delighted, aroused, and confused us. And, and in short, like you, we are helplessly in love with it. So every episode, we invite you to join us for a drink as we discuss a film from one of the many subsections of our horror section. Now, this might be confusing to you if maybe you didn't grow up with a mom and pop video store. Mickey, can you explain the subsections? Sure. So if you didn't grow up with a mom and pop store, then you missed out on this, this uh, ability that they had in their own store to really personalize the sections of their store. So it's like, yes, you have your horror and you have your sci-fi, but within that, you also have your staff picks. You also have your, your, um, you know, Friday night drag race. You know, I don't know what, what else there is. I don't know why that one popped in my head. Like that was, the thing I like that. that. I, that's, that's, yeah. that's a good one. American graffiti. Yeah. yeah. You're right. So, but it's, which but it's, connects to the film we're talking about. Tonight, exactly. Yeah. Muscle cars. What we do here is, is we like to invite you on a journey of our personalized subsections. For instance, we've had child frights, movies that frightened us as children. We've mm -hmm. had we've had snow place like death, movies where snow is mm -hmm. a is a feature, um, a major player in the death and carnage of what happens to them. All based in horror, all super fun, and I can't wait to get into this particular section, the King Tyrion collection. What does that mean? That it's it's essentially Stephen King essential film adaptations. Um, now we're not saying. These are the best, right? Stephen King adaptations. Um, but at least one of us loves them enough to feel compelled to talk about it and share it, and 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 we're curious about what the others think about it. Mickey, are we film critics? No, no, we're not. Then are, are we doing like a deep analysis of the film? Uh, no, no reason. No. Yeah, we're 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 more of an analysis of ourselves. So if you're if you're not interested mm -hmm. in learning about us, you're probably not going to like this <laughs> podcast. Might want to um, jump off. Yeah. So uh, we're basically we're shining a light on the things that we love, uh, the experiences and feelings that they bring up, how they relate to us, and how it connects us through our bond as uh, cohorts in, uh, as fans of horrors. So please, please don't be offended. If one of us has questions or perhaps even like a, like a critical thought or two about the film that we're going to be talking about. Um, it's all coming from a place of love, coming from a place of wanting to understand and share. And I'm going to get this out of the way. 
I every film we talk about, I love. I know uh, uh, as fans, Mickey and I experience this sometimes where uh, we really love something and someone has a critical thought about it and like we get all upset about it, right? Take it personal. It feels like a personal slight. Yeah. Right? Because a film is so personal. Yeah. It, 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 we're so deeply connected to it. Um, so if we do say anything that offends you, please understand that it's coming from a place of love and we really are here to celebrate the film. Mm-hmm. Um, now, before we jump into the film, uh, Mickey, what are we, what are we drinking tonight in the basement? Well, I brought in uh, a New England IPA in honor of Stephen King, the New England horror master. Um, this is a Flying Fish Brewing Company's New England IPA. It's a seven percenter, so I'm going to take it a a little Whoa. slow. I'm going to take it a little Whoa. slow because if anybody knows me, I get a couple too many of these in me, and I'm ready. I'm 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 fighting over these movies. I'm gonna be fighting people over these movies. That's what I'm. I I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to push you in that direction this okay. evening. Okay. I am having from Crafted Artisan Meadery. I've been really on the meads. If you've been listening to the podcast, I've been, I've been on the meads. I love them. Um, they're session meads. Uh, uh, a session mead. Essentially, what that means is it's 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 got like a carbonation, kind of like a beer. Essentially, um, this is pollination. It's made with blackberry and hops, and it is absolutely delicious. I find okay. I find that like I don't feel hungover the next day after I drink mead. I, I I don't know if it's because like it's more natural. My body processes right. it better. I don't know. I've heard that. I've heard that about meads that they're that they process easier or whatever it is because they're more natural, more organic. So I could drink you know? twice as much. <laughs> right, as right. I normally, would have. see, see, you go, you, you go the natural route <laughs> yeah. to avoid hang, hangovers. Yeah, I don't. I just like first thing in the morning, I, I take down a Bloody Mary and a couple shots, gets me going for the day, <laughs> and then I'm usually good <laughs> till lunchtime. Where I drink a, a a lunch beer, lunch beer, yeah, <laughs> and then that carries me through until about five o'clock. So essentially, what I'm saying is that I never know what it's like to be hungover because I'm in a constant state of drunkenness. Yeah, it's called alcoholism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These are jokes, by the way, people. These are jokes. And alcoholism <laughs> isn't a joke, and I, I will it's say, not a joke. how often have I have been tempted many times to like uh, uh, hair the dog, as they say, yeah. when I'm hungover, because I hear it works, but the the trade off <laughs> is. This this is the first step towards becoming an alcoholic. Oh, so yeah, I never do sure, it, sure. no matter how terrible I feel yeah. the next day. I think a younger me believed like uh, almost as if it was like this is ancient wisdom. This is science. It's like the hair of the dog. It's the only way. But I started to learn that you're pretty much worse shit for the rest of the day. Yeah, if you hair of the dog. It your blood pressures your blood pressures wrecked. You're like I don't really want to go to the gym. I'm good. So I'm just gonna put this out there for everybody. Don't don't hair the dog it. Don't don't hair the dog it. Um, now normally we're Mickey and I are always very excited for Marika's spooky cocktail. But yeah, uh, did she share anything with you? No, nothing. No? You? No, she didn't shit. So for the listener, Marika, if you're a constant listener, she's not here. This she's here. She's upstairs. Um, it's tax season. Yep. So she's like. Working hard upstairs. Going through receipts, which I have made harder for her because I thought that bucket of receipts was like a receipt recycling bin. So I've been just putting tons of receipts 
from my house in there. Yeah. <laughs> so she's finding things. She's like, she's pulling out receipts for like, like, you know, a black hoodie. And like, wait, what, what did we sell a black? I don't understand what this has come from. She's going to go through a lot. There's a lot of, there's a lot of receipts. There's a lot of receipts. I, I was, do, I made the same mistake. Well, you can't, you can't market receipt bin and not yeah, think that I just think that, that I'm going to put receipts bin in it. All receipts. It's a safe place yeah. for my receipts. And she's taken on that responsibility. So we thank her to, to Marika. Yeah, for sure. To Marika. To Marika. Now, Mickey, I noticed the best. She is the best. She is the best. Um, I did notice uh, your double fisting. Um, and in your other fist is a, a roll of toilet paper. What's this? <laughs> Are you. Do those IPA? Is it a milkshake IPA? Not <laughs> <laughs> a milkshake. Spe- spe- speaking of, I thought for a moment I was going to call my beer Death to Shitters. And I was going to be drinking a lactose <laughs> milk IPA. I was like, if anybody who knows me, because I'm lactose intolerant, this will be the death of a shitter. I am going to be killing a shitter in a little bit if I drink this whole lactose milk IPA. But no, um, this double, this, this toilet paper roll that I have in my hand here is because I have gone through every tissue I own. And I am now reduced to blowing my nose into a toilet, into toilet paper. I I I think I came down with a little cold. Mm-hmm. It's 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 that season, you yeah. know. There's been a lot of weird temperature changes and stuff. Yeah. So I got a little bit of a cold. You'll probably hear it a little bit if I go into a sneezing fit. I apologize now, but um, yeah. If you hear me blow my nose, just know it's me blowing my nose into a roll of toilet paper. That's that's great, and that's a great visual for the listener to think of. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also have a. I'm recovering from a cold, so um, I might yeah. sound a little off myself. Go figure. We work together, yeah. and we both have colds. And now we both have colds. Marika's yeah. fine. She's up. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe she's just quarantining herself from us. She's staying we're, away we're from the basement. farting and sneezing and, and yeah. peeing she's like, and no, jugs. no, guys. You guys, you guys go ahead. Talk about Christine. I'm going to be up here doing taxes, quote, unquote. Yeah, I'll be working on taxes. She's just burning our receipts. <laughs> or putting them, like selling them uh, to uh, identity thefts, <laughs> thieves. <laughs> Why are we here tonight? What film are we talking about from the Kinterian collection? 1985, John Carpenter's Christine. Um, is it 85, Mickey? 1983, John Carpenter's <laughs> Christine. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, 1980s. It's, somewhere in the 80s. Um, oh, shit. You know what? I'm missing an entire page of my notes that has no. It's not that has all of the that has all of the information, like the cast list and everything. It's it's eighty three. I'm pretty sure it's eighty three. Just um. Wait, wait. Here's what I did. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm not dyslexic. We'll just say one of us is. I'm not. So that should tell you. What what are you saying, dude? But well, no. I I think I transposed the 1958 Plymouth Fury. To 1985, uh, in my head, yes. and I got locked on the number 1985. That makes sense. 1983's John Carpenter's Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we talking about Christine tonight? At all the all the Stephen King adaptations, was this your pick? No, no, this was you. You you put this out there for us. No, this was well. Okay, I did put it. This was Marika's no, no. pick. I didn't. I wanted to talk about Silver Bullet. Okay. Um, so that's right. You were, you were, you were heavy on silver bullet. Yeah. Actually, I think that, that, that you'd mentioned that Christine was the only Stephen King adapted film. I believe that's actually in the criterion. Collection. I was actually wrong about that. 
So we were actually <laughs> wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I, I just was doing some research. I didn't see that it was in the Criterion Collection. In fact, uh, I have to do some more research. Um, I don't know if any of his films, if any of John Carpenter's films is in the Criterion Collection, which I think is fucking nuts. Wait, is, is Christine not in the Criterion Collection? I don't I think it is. I don't think so. I don't think so. I could be wrong. We can look that up later. Um, okay. Uh, uh, but, okay. But that was my... Th I thought it was. It should be. It's fucking a beautiful film. Um, and anyway, so I was like, well, how about Christine? And Marika was like, cool. And, uh, and then she's she's not here to talk about it. And that's fine. I'll tell you, if, if Marika were here, she would know all these answers that we don't have. Oh, she, she would she definitely know them. She, 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 she'd know. She'd have it. Um, so, But yeah, no, Chris. Also, it's an easy sell for me. I mean, you you say John Carpenter and Stephen King, and that's that. I'm no more needs to be said. Yeah. So we we dived uh, deep into our history with Stephen King uh, in a previous episode. So check that out. But um, just real quick, Mickey, do you do you have a history with Carpenter? With Carpenter? Yeah. If you if you're a listener Carpenter. of the podcast, you probably know the answer to this. But yeah. Oh man, do I have a history with Carpenter? I mean, Halloween was groundbreaking for me. It was. I, I mean, I, I. I. It was my. It was not my ground zero for loving movies, but it was my ground zero for loving horror films. Me too, man. John Carpenter, the the independent film, the nature of it, just creating uh, Laurie Strode. What it did for Jamie Lee Curtis. It is just so much of the 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 entry point into all of the what we're doing now. It was the entry point. So uh, uh, a deep love for John Carpenter, um, deep love for Halloween, um, and yeah, just yeah, nothing more to say. Just love. Yeah, him. yeah. my sentiments as well. So I uh, got a couple of fanboys over here. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. So where do we find? John Carpenter at this time. He just made The Thing, which we did an episode on, and mm -hmm. it fails critically and financially, and he finds himself in a terrible situation. Um, he made a masterpiece, and everyone told him that it was a piece of junk. So mm. he starts adapting Firestarter. That project falls through, but then this one comes up. Uh, what's interesting about this is uh, Carpenter and Bill Phillips, who wrote the screenplay, started working on this before the book was even released. The deal was made after like a first draft or something. So they got like a like a, a draft of Christine before it came out. And um, have you read the book? I've never read this book. I've read the book. I have a copy of it here, as you can see. Um, I I yeah. I took the liberty of uh, um, buying a first edition because I love the cover art um, of this. I love the the dust jacket, and I gotta say, man, I mm -hmm. really movie posters and and book covers used to yeah. be so awesome when you would hire an artist to compose the image that would be the image of the film. And I think it's as yeah. important as your your composer is or your mm -hmm. editor, maybe. You know, it's like it's it's such an important component that's yeah. that's gone as the video store died, so did the movie poster, you know? And yeah. cover books, like cover book art looks like if you were to buy Christine now, it's not that interesting. It looks like it, they all kind of look the same. 
Um, that's my little rant about uh, the the jackets. Uh, but I wanted to read this because I thought you would enjoy it, Mickey. In the dedication page, it says, this is for George Romero and Chris, Chris Forrest Romero and the Berg. What? Yeah, he dedicates the book to Romero. What? Chris Romero and Pittsburgh. For those of you who don't know, it's Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. shit. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I I knew enough to know that that Christine the book is set in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but but the the movie is set in California. Yeah, it's shot in Cal. Is it set in? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, yeah, Detroit. It's, it's Detroit like at the beginning, stuff. and then yeah, and then California, which uh, I believe they shot in yeah. the same neighborhoods. They shot Halloween. Now, how now? You've read the book, so so as an adaptation, was John Carpenter really throwing his carpenter sauce on this or was he playing a pretty even keeled like pretty true to the book so so this is the thing with carpenter at this time he's like okay i'll do this job it's just a job he's a gun for hire and he just kind of can't help but like kind of make like a really brilliant film um this this movie is is better than it has any right to be um it's really amazing in certain aspects and then falls a little short for me in other aspects. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But overall, uh, it's, it's fucking really just a beautiful movie. Yeah. I, I, they, they really just like, it's a lean and mean adaptation. We're not getting into why the car is evil. It's just evil. It's an evil car. And it's just, we're going, we're going right through it. Keep it evil. Don't don't tell me that Christine now has like, uh, you know, extra sisters and, you know, one of those sisters is going to have a daughter that then takes over as a Christine. Just keep it evil. Keep, keep it evil. And, you know, I think John Carpenter is best when he has like an extremely simple, almost like childlike premise, something that could be said in one sentence. And then when you combine that with his like craftsmanship his in his execution and style it it kind of becomes a cinematic cinematic masterpiece um it's i mean really the concept of this is like it it always kind of like big trouble in little china or something what a little boy would come up as an idea mm-hmm. and then that little yeah. boy gives it to like the adult side of his brain that's a craftsman and he works with mm-hmm. to make like these really awesome movies. Well, what I think is something fascinating about Carpenter with, with a lot of his films is that he doesn't drown you in like why the evil is the evil, or he doesn't drown you in like, yeah, I'll, I'll take sinister. We've, we've done that podcast as well. If you go back to sinister, but sometimes you lose a little bit of flavor when you start to explain all the ins yeah. and outs of your, of your evil. It's like, and John Carpenter's good about like, no, 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 it's just evil. Our characters don't know why they're having to react to it. Why make our audience sit through all this? Like, long you know book of like how it all happens it's just evil yeah we accept it we move on um and we're yeah. we're, we're, we're wrapped up in the story you just you just buy into the premise along for the ride no pun intended uh do you so do you have a history with this film no, nothing that's like like major i mean saw it when i was young um have not revisited it much, so it's not one that I've watched a bunch. I'll uh, I'll watch it if it's on somewhere, and I'm you know got some time to kill. But but you know saw it when I was younger, thought it was decent. The thing about it is, it's like as I got older, Christine's not it's not it's not terribly scary. Yeah, 
you know, so it wasn't like I one that was like, oh, I got, I'm going to freak my friends out to watch it. So it was never one that I really like pulled back for that reason. But, uh, but, uh, and we'll get into this more, but it's really joyful to watch yeah. and it is very nostalgic. Yeah. I felt nostalgia watching it. Nostalgia for what? Muscle cars, suburban high school, like jocks and, and nerds and just, you know, and almost in the same way you can watch a John Hughes film or something, gotcha. but it just kind of felt like of a, of a period of a time. And I identify with it a lot, uh, being raised in small towns in the South, which are very much like small towns in all of America. Mm -hmm. But you know, that, that I want my first car. I'm trying, you know, dying to get it. It's a very middle-class thing for a teenage boy to be like, you know, so I really identify with that nostalgic part of it. I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to, dive into that in a minute um uh some of the things you were talking about um but i just wanted to bring up uh my history with it um i it was on the tv a lot i didn't watch it because if you're a constant listener you know i wasn't like super into horror films when i was younger but i watched a lot of big trouble in little china um it's great it's great Right. That's a good entry. That's a, it's a good entry point. So, anyways, do you remember when Bravo it was Bravo or AMC? I think it was Bravo. Uh, this was uh, in the aughts, I think. They were doing like 100 scariest moments in movie history. I don't remember that. No. So, Bravo. I think it was Bravo. They did this thing, and it was like uh for it was for Halloween. It was this multi night event, and they got all these like famous writers and directors and horror icons to talk about these 100 scariest moments in, in movie history. And I watched it and it like just sucked me into wanting to see everything. And one of the things they talk about is the show me moment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. The show me moment is so show me. fucking yeah. good. It is all. Oh, cool. It's worth the price of admission. That scene right there. It mm -hmm. it it it's chilling every time I see it. It's God. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so well. So done. beautiful. So that was my. And I was like, oh, I got to see this movie. And I watched it. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I like. It's not great, but I fucking love it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like technically, it's great. Technically, it's great. It it yeah. falls short a little a little for me. And some of uh, the story and performances, and I, and I, you know, I don't mean any offense to the the actors who play these parts, but it kind of uh, brings up something for me, and that's uh, like Carpenter isn't the guy; he's not the director who's going to uh, uh, nurture and coax out a uh, riveting performance from an actor. He hires an actor to do a job. Right. right. I think that's why he had such an amazing relationship with Kurt Russell, because Kurt Russell is a consummate mm -hmm. professional. He shows up on time. He knows his lines. He stands mm -hmm. where he's supposed to. And he's always fucking phenomenal. And he looks great yeah. on screen. Well, he's been doing it. He's been doing it forever. He's been doing it forever. Too. Right. Yeah. And he's yeah. he's like he's he's not jaded by it. He just shows up and he delivers. And like it, it works when they work together. It fucking works. Um, except for maybe Escape for L.A. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of issues there. Uh, it's also something to be said about, you know, Deborah Hill was very instrumental oh. in some of those, you know, performances of of some of the female characters in the, you know, 
and Halloween. Oh, and how what she brought to the table was was good as well. So there's, you know, you I do notice there's maybe something amiss when when Deborah Hill's not in the picture. And this is a situation where I think she would have been uh, needed. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that she didn't work on this, but that's 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 fine. Um, uh, still a great movie. Still, uh, a, great still movie. a great movie. Um, uh, but you know, so John Carpenter isn't the guy who's going to coax out a performance and nurture it like uh, like you hear maybe like a P.T. Anderson does. John Carpenter is the craftsman. Yeah. He is like going to. He's too busy mm-hmm. making it ama- look amazing. It's like do your like I I think uh, the guy who plays uh, Buddy. Um, yeah. I think he he asked him like so you know when he's getting chased by the car he's like why am I running in the middle of the street when that wouldn't that be a bad idea because I'm <laughs> and he's like you know if it, I don't know if this is true or not but apparently he was like because it's a fucking movie man just <laughs> just run into the, you know what I mean so it's like it's just the yeah. movie it's a movie it's just like we're here because it's a movie and that's why you're doing it and it looks cool. So that's that's uh, my experience with the movie. And then I read the book a few years ago and it's a fun book. It's not it's not my one of my top favorite um, uh, all time Stephen King books, but it was a fun read. And I love the the cover art for it. I wanted to touch on what you were talking about, some of the nostalgia you were having and like uh, how you related to this film through the nostalgia and through what you were saying, like your high school experience and your experience with, with cars and muscle cars. So I had a, I had a moment when watching this film where I was thinking, you know, so much is unsp- uh, doesn't need to be said to me to understand the feeling of your first car, to see the guys driving around in their muscle cars, working in the auto shop. It's like, I didn't need any of that explained to me to relate heavily to the film. And it got me thinking about, are we one of the last generations that are going to understand the concept of, of that? Cause I have children. They don't talk about muscle cars. They don't, it doesn't appeal to them. You know, the, the most they know about that kind of stuff is from fast and furious. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's so out, out of this world, you know, but so I was just, it really like, was like, wow, this is a precious little, uh, gemstone right here because I, I immediately relate to it. And I don't think that that younger generations, necessarily will i remember being 16 waking up my 16th birthday my parents and i had gone and gotten a truck for me it was this big souped up you know four-wheel drive with mud tires and a flow master so it was like really cool um the engine fell out of it within the first like couple months what <laughs> um yeah it was a terrible car <laughs> but it was cool we didn't yeah, it was so cool. We took it to get the engine worked on, and like the guy had taken back like something to work on it. it was like he found like a huge bag of weed and some and some like rolling papers. And I and I had to swear to my dad, I was like, Dad, I swear, I swear it wasn't mine. I was swear it, it's not was mine, it yours? Man. No, it wasn't. This is the previous owner. Yeah, well, the car, the 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 owner that sold to us had picked it up at auction and then immediately put it for oh. private sale. Oh. And and it had had all this damage, and they were like, "We're pretty sure the speedometer's been run back. We're pretty sure that this thing's got like 180 thousand miles on it. It says it's 47 thousand miles." <laughs> They're like, "There were so many issues with it, and because the bill of sale was done, we bought it from a private owner, just like Arnie does. You can't, you can't." The no, guy's like, "No, that's you it. Bought it, man. Sight, sight, scene, bro." So I was like, I was it, I, had my truck had the ability to repair itself. 
that would have been incredible. But instead, I ended up. Uh, <laughs> it rolled you yeah. a joint. <laughs> yeah, my my car was like the opposite of Christine. My car was like like some like like dude that's way too much into like uh, uh like way too much into Rastafarian culture and just like smoking a doobie out there. It's like I don't want to drive today, man. I don't want to drive today. Um, so we ended up taking that thing and, and just taking whatever we get off of it. And then my dad was like, buddy, you're done with these cool cars. You are stuck in this, uh, a, a white Chevrolet Cavalier. And he's okay. like, this is going to be your forever car. This is your forever car. And just be done with it. And I never, my parents never helped me with another car after that. Wow. So I, yeah. So I got the cool car when I was 16, lasted me about three, three or four months. Learned a hard lesson there. Your car, your car was so cool. It came with weed. <laughs> it was so cool. Crash man. and burn. Ready? See, like nowadays, but back then, when I was getting that car, that was like big time. Oh, what's going on? Do we need to call the police? Nowadays, people would be like, "It was probably some old man's medicinal weed, man. Yeah. Let it quit. It's That's cool, cool. It's cool, man. It's the Berg, baby." Um. So so yeah. So I I really understand the want and desire to have that cool car because it means something so much. When so much of your high school experience is sucking, yeah, showing up in a cool car, man, that could really change yeah, your man. life. Uh, I did not have a car until I was 25. I didn't get my license until I was 25, and I bummed a lot of rides in high school. Um, but I did talk to my dad. So my dad had a car that tried to kill me on a couple occasions. Oh, wow. Um, so I called up my dad just to get like a few pieces of information. I had a wonderful conversation with my father for like an hour. Wow. That's good. About, about all this stuff. It was great. But the car that tried to kill me, uh, was my dad's, um, 1972 Plymouth scamp. It was, uh, a powdered baby blue with a vinyl top and, uh, the passenger door wouldn't latch properly all the time mm -hmm. so it swing open sometimes and it was falling apart and it was a little rusty and this like the speedometer didn't work on it i remember asking him like dad how do you know how fast you're going and he's just like <laughs> he's like i know and i'm like he's just like i was like it blew my mind I'm like how do you how do you know he's like i just know and i was now now that i drive i understand what he means Cut to my my dad going sixty five miles an hour, twenty 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 five miles. Yeah, an yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a nineteen seventy two scamp that he bought for six hundred dollars, mm. and he worked out a deal with the guy, and he paid him a hundred dollars a month for six months. My dad always always drove beaters. He did get yeah. a, a 1972 Chevy Nova brand new for 2600 when he was when he was uh, younger. His 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 dad bought it for him, but his dad. So my my father worked, and until the day he was married, all the money he made from his job he gave to his parents, and then his parents gave him money. So the money they used to buy this Chevy Nova was really his money, and it was no, there was he was like. No FM radio, just AM. <laughs> no carpet, yeah. no AC. Gas was thirty cents a gallon, or uh, yeah, thirty cents a gallon. Yeah, uh, and he was just you wow. know it's freedom, right? It, it's it's a thing like yeah, it's, it's freedom. Yeah. That's what a car 
represents, right? Your ability yeah. to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. It's 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 a rite of passage into adulthood. Yeah, it's that first. It's the first one, really. You know, because it's like we have now deemed you old enough to get yourself somewhere further than than this five block radius. And it, it's like here are the keys, and you can the kill, keys to life, man. and you can kill someone with this. You can kill yourself. Yes. This yes. is this is a dangerous piece of machinery. This is a lot yeah, of responsibility, sure. and you don't you can't yeah. grasp that when you're 16. How much responsibility no. you have? No. Uh, I used to have like nightmares of driving throughout oh. my life until I started driving. Really? Yeah, and I still have them from time to time. I do not like driving. So, so, so driving was not like a. It was a scary thing. It was a very you. scary thing. And listen, if I'm if I'm like out in the middle of nowhere, driving's fucking great. I love it. But when you're driving yeah. in L.A. or New York, you know. It's right. fucking crazy, man. I don't know what traffic is yeah, like yeah, yeah. in Pittsburgh. I don't like driving in, in New York. I, I'll tell you that right it's, now. Or in the city. Yeah. I don't like driving in Minnesota. It's fucking rough, but, man. Uh, but I, Pittsburgh's pretty good, man. Pittsburgh's not a bad, not a bad drive. It, it's, 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 it's easier than a lot of states. The hard part with Pittsburgh is, is that you're never going to go really fast because everything is bridges. So you're always getting to like choke points yeah. where it's like you're going to slow down for this bridge. You know, actually, for all those out there that don't know, Pittsburgh has the the um, most driving bridges in the world. Yeah, everybody knows it because Pittsburgh people won't shut up about the fucking bridges. Okay, <laughs> okay. The only okay. place with more bridges than Pittsburgh <laughs> is Venice, Italy. But those are walking hey, bridges. A lot of those are just walking. Yeah, walking Kansas bridges. Kansas City There's has more bridge. fountains than anywhere else in the world other than Rome. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you know that. Hey, no, I've, I've heard that. I've heard uh, that. But my, my dad did own a, a Plymouth Fury, a 1967 Plymouth, Pl nice. Plymouth Fury. He had it for two years. Then he had to sell it because he was moving. And it was, uh, he was like, it was beautiful. It was like white with a red interior. Mm -hmm. He absolutely loved it. Um, That's so nice. Uh, That's so nice. Currently, he drives a 2003 Ford Ranger. Now, this is when the Ranger was actually a small truck. Right now, Ford Rangers looks like looks like an F one fifty. You can't tell them. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, they're huge. But when I go home to visit, when I when I visit family, uh, I drive that Ranger. You can't drive it far. Yeah. Um. Uh. And like, I got attacked by like three spiders in the car because he leaves the window open at gotcha. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spiders. You got to air it out. The spiders come in, and <laughs> I, I was driving home from the gym, and I was getting attacked by spiders. I was freaking out. And then, real quick story, he had. My, so my brother Tony had a Jeep Cherokee that he tried to drive into the ground. He tried mm -hmm. to destroy it. It had over 200,000 sure. miles on it. Then he, he pawns it off on my dad. And my dad drove it for like years and years and years. Very unsafe car. But my dad just became, through necessity, became really good at like repairing cars and keeping them running. Um, and he, eventually he sold it to someone for $300. This guy buys it. The next day, he's high on drugs and alcohol, wrecks the car, and runs away from the scene Ugh. because he was high and shit. Ugh. So he never registered the car. So the right. city goes to my dad, hey, your car's been impounded, blah, 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 blah. He's like, no, 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 I sold it. I got the, the proof all here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's he, he keeps having these cars. He keeps running for a long time, and then he gives them to somebody else, and then they destroy it. 
<laughs> your dad, your dad, your dad drives a car until it is no longer safe to drive, and he hands and it off hands to somebody off else. I never viewed it that way. <laughs> um, oh, so the car tried to kill me. So the door would latch and it would swing open, right? So one day I'm with some friends of mine, and my dad's picking us up from the movie theaters after we saw a movie. Um, and uh, I'm in the car, and I'm telling a story about how the car is a piece of shit. And how the door will swing open and try to and like yeah. try to kill me one time because the car is a piece of shit. And at that exactly at that moment, before I had my seatbelt on, the car door swung open as my dad took a turn and I almost went toppling out of the car. So, you know, be respectful to the car. So was your seatbelt on? No, it wasn't on yet. But I, I like I, I was it was in the process of putting it on. But I was too yeah. I was, you know, I'm a performer. I had to tell the story unencumbered yeah, by yeah. a seatbelt. Really, I mean, like wimps wear seatbelts, right? Yeah, I agreed. agreed. Right? Uh, you know, if you if you work out enough, you got enough physical strength to keep yourself in that seat. That's what I'm saying. I bench press, so I could stop myself real easy. Yeah, I bench press 300 pounds. 300, 300, 300. Did do you do you are you one of those people? Do you have like a dream car, like the car that's like would set your heart ablaze? I I, I have this question for you too. Um, yeah, uh, you know, for such a long time. It was uh, like a 1967 Fastback Mustang and like flat black, okay, cool. flat cool. black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but now that I'm older, <laughs> like I think I like the idea of that car. I definitely would like to drive that. Uh, but really like a Prius would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like when a, a little hack for you, if you get a Prius, if you if you're like through a car rental company, like I was in, I was in L.A. for work and I've gotten the Prius twice and uh, it's hard to get sometimes because it's it's in high demand. You don't have to refill the tank with any gas. The battery is self-charging. So you use almost no gas. No gas. It's wow. It's I don't like the hatchback on like it's got a hatchback. It's hard to see out the back, mm -hmm. but they're amazing. So, I mean, really, if I could get the technology of the Prius into a 67 Mustang, I'd yeah. probably look like a douchebag, but that's OK. It's, it's practical. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about the look anyway. That's what they're all driving yeah. for. What about you, man? Um, I, I have to have two. I, and they're in their and they're classics. Oh, one, so, one so second. One I'm, is... I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. If I'm being honest with you, I'd rather. Uh, I would rather have a Triumph Bonneville or like a like a vintage okay. Ducati, a cafe racer. Oh, motorcycles. Okay, way 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 more fun. Yeah, you're a motorcycle yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay. um, right. that said, go ahead. I'm um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For starters, it's a 1955 550 Porsche Spider. Ooh, is that what killed? Yeah, James Dean. That's yeah, you got <laughs> of course it. You it got is. it. Yep, yep. Is that the car you would want? <laughs> <laughs> Little bastard. Little bastard. You got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, everybody knows. Yeah. So that car, man. You know, you know, I was like a weirdo with James Dean. You're not. A, you were <laughs> still am you, a weirdo. With any young actor, male actor, is probably going to like identify with one of the greats and. Obviously, yeah. one of them, the one who lives, you you know, is eternally young, is James Dean. Yep, I, I grew up in in small town, suffered some trauma as as a, as a young man. Just his story, his legacy, what how he how he died. It, it's just a lot of 
there i i really love his story i love what he what he was able to accomplish in a short amount of time um and so that car because of james dean has taken on a life in me where i'm like it's the only like car i've ever been like man to own that because of what it represents would mean so much to me so that that's my kind of like that would be my Christine. It would call to me. Uh-huh. You know, it still it does and call it would kill to you. Me. <laughs> and it would, and ca- it would, it would kill, kill you. you. That's and it's yeah, also probably cursed. It is probably a cursed car. Oh yeah. I mean that car is believed to be cursed. You can look listener, look look into that if you haven't. You know, there's some there's some yeah. cursed history on James Dean's car, little bastard. But but I think fitting for this particular film to just mention that that's the car that I one day, if you see me, if you see my like my whole personality change, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Hey, Mike, let's do a toast, yeah, to the shitters," then you know that I probably purchased a 550 Porsche Spider. I'll I'll call your wife. Be like, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Did you take out a she, life insurance she, policy? Yeah, she's like, we were at the movies the other night. And I was choking. And yeah, <laughs> and this like this kind of like older creepy guy who was like watching us like yeah. super closely, watching us make just, out, like just jumped in out. and like you know Johnny on the spot, ready to go. Johnny man. on the so spot. <laughs> he was he was yeah. right there, yeah. man. I like the sw- I like that sweater he was wearing. I like that like cardigan <laughs> sweater he was wearing. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's not a bad look, but man, yeah, I I, I also kind of agree with Arnie. He's like he's like what's I didn't know what the guy was doing. It's like you stepped out of the car and this guy's like behind you, like grabbing you, like somebody's grabbing. Oh man. Somebody grabs her breasts. I think it's her own hands in the shot, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to tell. Like sometimes, sometimes the pervert women should know this. Uh, uh, Sometimes it's the pervert who saves the day because he's watching you so intently. And then you like trip going up the stairs and he's there to grab you, but maybe he accidentally grabs your boob. Just saying. So if anybody ever, if you're a woman and there's a guy that ever helps you in any way, he's a perf. He's a perf. He's if anybody which helps is why you. I, which, is where, which is why I'm never. That's I'm why never I don't help women. I don't help women. I help a I guy. Help a I help a guy. No problem. All day. All day. Yeah, of course. But women, I don't want to be seen as a pervert. No. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this yeah. for you. Sp- speaking of doing this for you, this would have been a great Valentine's Day horror film to talk about. We talked. We did it. Okay. We did our bromance. This is this is a love film. Oh, for this sure. Is a, this is a, about about two people who are are very much in love. Yeah. The car and Arnie, Christine. I was gonna say Dennis and Arnie. Oh, uh, you know, two guys. There are there are there are some. Uh, um, like homosexual overtones throughout this sure which sure. i think it's fair i mean that's why i'm with you that's why it's just two guys in the basement two guys two guys break is gone tonight drinking <laughs> drinking booze in the basement drink, two guys. Drink, drink another one drink another one mickey get loosen yeah. up loosen up did you have a friend like arnie in high school or in college that um has had that thing happen to him where uh all of a sudden he found himself in a uh unhealthy codependent relationship and totally changed and you basically lost that friend i think that that because of where i grew up and with the type of friends that i grew up with um there was there were, yeah we just didn't it never really happened like that and i don't know i never had a i wouldn't per se have a arnie some guy that just drifted away from me because he was codependent on another person or a thing you know Interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
you you did though oh yeah right? I, I had a few friends throughout throughout my life where that would happen and, and it just really shines a light on like wait 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 mike wait wait michelangelo is this is this about me it's about you <laughs> it is about you? you no it's not about you dude. i had no idea no, it's not i had no it. idea molly did this to us i had no idea that marika did this to us <laughs> uh no i think i think it's a common thing when like you know you commiserate with a friend about like oh man i just want a girlfriend and then your friend gets a girlfriend and then you get you get ghosted i will say that with, with my group of guy friends and this is a, a nod to them we never really had serious relationships. And when we did, even those serious relationships were so surface level mm. that that we really had a strong male bonding friendship that I am so appreciative of having because I can see with my own sons, that's important. And, mm. and you know, even they struggle with it because I think it's a harder world for that. It, it, there's almost like not a punishment for it, but it's like, but it's just, it's a different world today than it was when I was growing up and, and these male friendships I had were very, were very special to me. Uh, a big difference is they say the F word a lot less nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you sensitive in any way? Well, you're an F word. Do you have, how often do you stare at or like have a cat call to cars? I've never done it to a woman. I don't know if you ever have yeah. done that to a woman, uh, but like I have like I've uh, uh, felt th that urge to want to connect with like a stranger or like an inanimate object. And it elicits this like primal response to want to connect because I might never see this woman or this car ever, ever again. And you just want to like like suck it in because, you know, it's this momentary thing and then it's gone. And it's like. I, um, when it's a car or a motorcycle, obviously I allow myself and it's like, you know, you see the guy drive. It's always a fucking guy. It's rarely a woman. Uh, although once it was, I was, I was on the Sony lot and I was leaving in my Prius and fucking, uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. She must've been shooting, uh, um, uh, high fidelity was leaving and she was right next to me and she was in this fucking gorgeous ferrari convertible top yeah. red like and it was just she was like she's just fucking zoe she's fucking gorgeous and the car is gorgeous and i'm just you see the sort of like the the got the one of the coolest people who's ever lived just like you're leaving the studio from starring in your show in the fucking coolest car ever. You're gorgeous. You're amazing. You're self-confident, which like that trumps always looks. Oh, is the confidence. For sure. Confidence. Confidence is right? what is, is attractive about somebody. Cause you want some of that. You want some of that glow on yourself. It draws people to him. I mean, and, and, and not, and not cockiness. Yeah. That's, but just self-assured confidence. That, and that's what like, that's what's like Arnie gets this like false confidence. He, he, uh, he starts yes, to right, push right. away everything that is substantial and important in his life. And that's, what's so tragic about, about yeah. him. And that's why it's like, he doesn't fully for me embody, like he could have used a haircut when he got cold. Yeah. That yeah. would, I think okay. that would have helped out a lot. 
right? Yeah. Keith Gordon pulls off Arnie pre-Christine really well. But post-Christine, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you what what did you think? Uh, um, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I, I almost thought it fit the character because in my in my mind, right? because I've not read the book. So my in, in my viewing, in my personal opinions, Arnie never really becomes cool. Like I don't other than Lee, yeah, which I think is a testament to Lee, not to Arnie, Lee seeing something in him. Other than that, nobody really looks at Arnie after he's got Christine like, whoa, this guy's cool. Whoa, whoa. It's it's really like it, it's just bravado. It's just it's like it's false, you know, and I, so so I took his his performance of it. I thought was was good in that this is not what somebody who has got this confidence actually acts like. You are you are the false bravado. You are annoyingly so sure of yourself because of this stupid car. It worked on me. I felt like a dentist watching him, mm. being like, "What are you?" doing arnie everything you're saying is so dumb and stupid and you you think that you're putting on this act it's just an act we can all see it you know while understanding also that it's not fully an act because something is actually physically happening to him yeah. that's changing him yeah so so I, I i bought it it didn't bother me other than the fact that it was supposed to bother me is what i felt like yeah yeah fair enough yeah i guess that's the crux of it you you, you sort of explained it it's like arnie never really is cool Right, he never has that. He never has that. Um, you know, she's all that moment where it's like she walks into the school and everybody's like, "Whoa, who is that? She's amazing." Carpenter was clever not to. I like I said, I haven't read the book. Maybe there is that moment in the book. Maybe in the book, Arnie does become king of the school. I don't know. No, no, it's it. You know, I don't. No. I, I don't want to get too much into the book. I know sometimes it's like it's it's not a um book versus film podcast. Right, um, right. Uh, but you know, it's it's the, the what where I think Deborah Hill may have come into play nicely is seeing why Lee ends up with Arnie. You know what I mean? Because I could yeah. see that that there is maybe a transitional period where Arnie, you know, he doesn't stick up for himself. He's such a you know, his mom bullies him. He's got the yeah. bullies at school. He's a pushover. By the way, yeah. I I wonder in that opening scene. Uh, where he's got the garbage and it spills everywhere, right? I wonder if maybe he scored the bag to rip open as a fuck you to his mm-hmm. mom. You know what I mean? Like, and then like, and like, she knows. Oh, Arnie, you're so you don't know what you're doing. You go, 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 go with the the, the boy. To go with Guinness, your friends, and you know, I don't know why I'm doing her voice like that, but I don't really think that. It's just a thought I had. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, but but maybe this has been living dormant in him the whole time. Oh, definitely and it has. Took Christine to pull that, yeah. So I can see that. I like that read. That's a cool read. Yeah, I mean, in, why not? In, why the hell not? In the scene where he comes, when they come back after he's bought Christine, and they're in the kitchen, it's interesting. Like Dennis is in the center of the frame, right? And he is right. he is in front of Arnie. So Arnie is uh, off to the side and back. So not only is he not the center, but he looks even smaller than he yeah. actually is because of the depth, the depth of right. where we place everyone. And I think that that was a really interesting thing of like where Dennis's place is in the family, right? He's just a friend 
and he is he's a good friend man he's like he's Listen, a great friend i didn't want him to buy the car but but like she holds him responsible for everything mm-hmm. that arnie does it's like dennis is the child they wanted mm-hmm. he is tall and blonde and athletic and and you know desirable and and like you know to parents who are i don't know if this comes across in the film but they're both professors and like their their status in the community is important to them and how they're viewed and having a child that is nerdy and spineless awkward and he's spine yeah. he's, no, he's I... really spineless he doesn't stand up for himself it's very sad it's very sad you want him to succeed you want him to get confidence i, I will tell you as a parent that is a very natural thing to have a child who, who, who might, it's, it, I'll, I'll go as simple as this. They're not dressing like the other kids. So you're so scared and feel for, fearful for what people will do to them. So when you see that they have like a cool friend or a pretty girl that likes them or hangs out with them, you're like, you almost are like, please don't lose this person. They become as important to your child. Yeah, it just becomes it becomes a part of of you as a parent. It's like I need this person around my child, or else my child will, will not succeed. You know, it's that fearful. So I I understood that relationship. I understood the fear of the parents looking at Dennis like like you got to be on him. You got to stay with because like they're Dennis is his key to not being completely withdrawn. Yeah, and get, get the just have the world completely ruin him. He has this shining spot in in this friendship that he has with Dennis. It's why Dennis, in the end, is 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 the friend he is. You know, he he goes back to 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 try and save his friend. You know, I I, I think they they do a really amazing job in, in in capturing certain aspects of teenage life at that time. And one of them that they they spot on get is the sort of rite of passage that is like sex. Oh yeah. Right. And the um pressure you get from your friends or your siblings to like, well, have you have you, you know, gotten a BJ or had set, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like that that like yeah. immense pressure that I don't know what it's like now, but like it was ridiculous when I was younger. I mean, American Pie came out when we were you know, it's like senior year of high school, man. You're a senior and you haven't had sex yet. We gotta get you laid, man. You're we a loser. You got it. You yeah. got to get laid before you go to college. That was that was the mindset. So, something that bothers me Uh-oh. in this film is oh how it's criminal. It's a it's a crime against humanity that Kelly Preston wasn't in this movie more. And I don't buy that. Agreed. Dennis Agreed. Doesn't hook up with her unless the, the thing that would make it all make sense to me is if you have a scene where it's like oh she's like there's a stupid completely false rumor that she has herpes or that maybe she hooked up with buddy like freshman year yeah. and now she's Oof. tainted good cuz that's how disgusting uh uh boys that's what you that's what you are when you're high school you're a fucking boy you don't know shit that's how disgusting boys are is that there will be this like beautiful girl who's interested in you and because of something somebody says you are no longer interested and it makes no sense now now let me ask you did did dennis ever strike you that he was 
really that into girls. I don't really other than other than, other than some locker room talk. No, I mean I and I'm not I'm not questioning his sexuality as much as I'm like he also seems like the guy that's just not just like football's on his mind, man. He's like football. It's, it's like he's just not like yeah, I had friends like that. That's like, dude, this girl thinks you're hot, and he's like, eh, okay. But he's supposed to be, and it's like everyone's focus is on the new girl. Yeah. Right. Um, well, they're all talking about Lee. it. He joins in the locker room talk. Yeah. 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 And but he does. He doesn't pursue it other than just saying, "Hey, do you want to go to the dance?" And she goes, "I already have a date." He goes, "Okay." <laughs> I think that's just. I don't know. That's that's Carpenter deciding to focus on the car and Arnie's relationship yeah. predominantly over everything else. Yeah. And that's kind of where you th- those things fall to the wayside. Like Dennis is never mad that Arnie's with Lee. He's more like, "How did you do that?" That's wow, you know. So there's never like a like a, "Hey man, I I called dibs or anything," you know. It's like, and that could just be Dennis is a great friend. Well, that's so. Let me ask you: in the scene where he gets hurt at the football game, right? One, he gets distracted because Arnie is kissing Lee, a girl, yeah. right? Yeah, but. It could also be interpreted in this how I, how I see it. How did he get the car like that? Oh, it's been it's been like I think he oh, buys yeah. he buys the car in o- October, and that's in November maybe, yeah. or it, it it's it's like a month, and he the yeah. thing looks brand new, and 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 it, it is the combination of the things. One, Arnie looks was three things. Arnie looks different. Arnie's kissing the new hot girl but i really i really do think it's it's the car christine it's yeah. christine do you think that the the way that christine manipulates arnie do you think she's having any effects at all on other people because she's able to strangle uh or not strangle to induce the choking of lee do you think that christine was playing any part in dennis's injury or you think it was just purely he was distracted and got hurt? That's a good question because he 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 did try to prevent their union. He's the original hurdle for her. Yeah. So I don't know. Just I mean, she's obviously able to induce the choking on Lee. So I have to believe she can. She has these powers. She yeah, has. She she's it. she's like um, the hotel in The Shining. She's she's a haunted place. She's evil yep. for some reason. Yep. Um. And what I love is that I don't I actually love the fact there are no rules that I know from the movie to tell me one way or the other. It lets me yeah. make those decisions for myself, which is fun. That is joining. That is hopping in the car and going for a ride. Yeah, that's what it's about. You choose. You choose to take that ride or you don't. If you don't yeah. like this movie, yeah. you do not want to take this ride. You're not captivated. No. Man, this movie really captures perfectly how young men talk. The vocabulary we yeah. use, the posturing, yeah. the, the that whole locker scene of like, oh man, she's a slut. I bet you she looks, she walks like a slut. You don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> you fucking idiot. And like Ar- Ar- Arnie Cuntingham, man, they oh, nailed the bullies. That was, that's oh, did you did you notice uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two alum, Stuart uh, Charno? Vandenberg. No. He's like the tall guy with the red curly hair. He's one I of not... one of the, the posse of buddies. Did, did you notice the Ghostbusters alum? Well, yes. Not not alum. He would be later in Ghostbusters. 
one of my favorite scenes in Ghostbusters is where he's being zapped and he's getting it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Let me ask you a question about Moochie. Yeah. Okay, Moochie. Is Moochie a prostitute? He gets dropped off in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, some industrial part of town from a semi truck. <laughs> Even think that. But you make a good point. What's he doing? What does he do? Is is his dad a trucker? I, I thought probably um, so. I, I like I hate to even say that 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 he looks like a trucker's son because I don't know what that even means. And probably I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. But but he becomes he presents himself as a trucker's son. I I think he's I think he's prostituting. Moochie's giving smoochies. Moochie's the slut, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's unfortunate because he's a sex worker. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't want to be a sex worker, but he's, sure. that's, that's, that's the situation he finds himself in. And then he gets fucking killed. Yeah. Because he's, he's a jerk. For all, for all our listeners out there, the young men in high school that are listening, don't go fucking with somebody's car. Especially these new cars, man. They got these artificial... Women, do what you want. Women, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't tell you what to do. do whatever young, you want. Yeah, yeah, young men, these artificially intelligent Anyone who art- identifies as a young man. Yeah, anybody who identifies as young, these artificially intelligent cars, that you, you piss them off, they're going to be just like Christine. We're about to enter into a, uh, and in 20 years, we're all going to be driving Christine's. So be very careful what you do. Um, also, the way Moochie grabs Dennis's dick in the fight scene. Yeah. I mean, he really grabs that dick. He knows, he knows exactly that. where it's yep. at. He's been staring at that package. Yeah. And he just really, he holds it for a while. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. You know? yeah. He knows what he's doing. What did you think of Buddy? Uh, the you mean John Travolta light? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's John Travolta heavy. That's right. That's John, John Travolta, Travolta is John Travolta light. Right. This is I, I, John I really, Travolta really, straight up. <laughs> well, I realize what happened in this movie. Kelly Preston met Buddy, and <laughs> she's like, "If I can't have Buddy, I'm gonna go with John Travolta." No, I mean, listen, Buddy. I was, want a. I want a gay. I want a gay version of um, uh, William Ostander, who plays Buddy. Yeah, Ostander. Yeah, I'll um, go with John Travolta. I love John Travolta. I, I also, I also, I also, you know, John Travolta is great. I, I, I like Buddy. I, I don't know that 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 I would have liked that twenty years ago watching it, but today I loved Buddy. I like, I like how big he is. I like man how he's like. Real like playing it, man. He's like, there's just something in his attitude, you know. I was feeling. Do you it. like? Do you like how he looks like a thirty year old man? <laughs> how he? Yeah. <laughs> I was like a forty five. Like that's forty five with makeup. He, he, he's a forty five with makeup. He looks. He looks more man. He definitely looks more manly than me. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, buddy's cool, man. I, also, I could have used buddy's car was badass. Buddy's car was badass. Badass, badass car, badass car. When he stabs his lunch, yeah, and the yogurt comes spilling oh. out, I think we could have used the reaction, a disgusted reaction from Buddy. There. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't know yogurt's in there. You yeah. know what I mean. All this goop just came out, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, you just got yogurt on my pants. Yeah, yeah. now I got to kick your ass." But that's that- the kind of when you're getting bullied. That's the kind of stuff that happens. Is like, is like, oh, I cut into your bag and cause this mess but it's your fault because it, there's yogurt and you didn't tell me there was yogurt some of my favorite performances in this film which were by side characters 
I actually think this movie is best yeah. when the film is focused on Christine yep. or the side characters. Yeah. You have, uh, obviously, Harry Dean Stanton as the detective is brilliant. The, the scene with Harry Dean Stanton and Keith Gordon, Harry Dean Stanton is so... He's, he's just so cool. He's you Harry know? Dean Stanton, man. I That's know, Harry man. Dean Stanton. He's so cool, man. He's so cool. I was, I was like... I was like, if I ever become a detective, that's that's the kind of detective I want to be. In fact, if I ever get cast to play a detective, I'm I'm pulling out my Harry Dean Stanton. Um, imagine here's a, here's Harry Dean Stanton to me. Imagine yeah. James Dean, but he wasn't the beautiful angel. Yeah, that's fucking Harry Dean Stanton. James Dean Stanton. James Dean Stanton. Um, of course you got Darnell. Hmm. Um. Played by Robert Prots, Pro, Prosky. Well, um, who also played that character with one of my favorite, like, um, you know how, how you, you know, sometimes actors will align themselves to a prop and the prop will be that thing that they really can. Uh-huh. That chew in his mouth uh-huh. was so great. It was so great. So I, was, great. You know, I, was, I was like, I can't, I don't want that. That's brilliant. That that's that was I'm, I'm stealing that I'm stealing that. That was my nanu, my my grandfather. Yeah, that's awesome. He was he was this guy who was always cursing and he was curmudgeony and like the way he's like I don't know I you know I didn't say you could scour my junk fields and rebuild your old car, but maybe you know do some favors for me and you know. Yeah. Well, don't, uh, well, don't take too long. Well, he's like, you know, I kind of like you. You're a good kid. And he's like, well, you know, I got to think about it. He's like, yeah, you fucking piece of shit. Don't don't think <laughs> about it too long. It's like I, I, I fucking it. knew so many guys like that. Oh, I grew up with the, that was like every coach I'd ever had. It'd be like, be like, <laughs> be, be, be like Mickey, you suck. Uh, look, we appreciate you being out here. We like you. Was your were your coaches uh Mick from Rocky? Kind of was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um no, I, I, I absolutely that was gonna be the one that I was gonna highlight. I just love Robert Prosky um as Will Darnell. So cool. Uh Harry Dean Stanton, fantastic. And I, and I was gonna also mention you've already touched on it, but Kelly Preston and her little oh, role God. that she had. She was so her she should have been Lee. Ah, oh, she's great. She should have been Lee. She it's 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 in the the small you she, I I feel like she wasn't meant to have those moments of the camera being on her, but she was so good. But she like was, they yeah. were just enamored with her. She was they should have hired her for Lee mm-hmm. in my opinion. She just it 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 there's no it's not surprising to me at all that she went on to have like yeah. a really great career. Yeah. Roberts, Roberts Blossom, who we all know from Home Alone. Oh, He's yeah. a scary old man yes. in Home Alone. He is yes. fucking so good in this movie. Yeah. 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 He is so good in this. Nothing better than the smell of a new car, except for maybe pussy. How many guys did you know like that growing up? There's a little winky. Like, like they don't have to say, like, am I right? Am I right? You just get it. I, I, I remember my uncle once 
it's when I like I first started like like was able to grow out a beard and I was growing out my hair and uh uh my he was visiting with my cousins and uh someone had mentioned like oh you look like you look a little bit like Keanu Reeves I don't look like Keanu Reeves but I guess my hair was a little long you you got a Keanu Reeves I was going to say you got a you got some Keanu vibes Okay thank you thank you um, yeah, yeah yeah uh but uh, the, and, and you know, this is the odds. I mean, I mean, imagine if John Wick were a little more feminine and just <laughs> <laughs> walked around in deep V's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. If John Wick was a, like a trashy Italian guy who was a feminine, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. You, you do have. For, you know, for for our listeners, for listeners. the listener who might not know, uh, in the nineties, it was an insult to call a male effeminate. <laughs> you were considered to be gay, which was also an insult. To be considered gay was an insult as well. Well, I I, I will say that that for our listeners at home, Michelangelo is a very handsome guy, and Keanu Reeves oh, should be thank Keanu, you. Keanu Reeves should be blessed to be even mentioned in the same breath with you and looks. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, I feel blessed to be mentioned in the same breath as him. But my point was, uh, they're like, yeah, you kind of look like Keanu Reeves, you know, because this was like the first time my family was seeing me with a beard and long hair. And my uncle goes, but not gay, though, right? <laughs> like real serious, <laughs> but not gay, though, right? Like all of a sudden I was accused of being homosexual which was ludicrous <laughs> because a why is it bad to be homosexual true that's number one that's the number one thing but also b i'm i'm being accused of being homosexual because i look like someone who is have who is rumored to be homosexual <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah at the time and if he is homos if he was bi at one point or homosexual who cares i don't i don't give a shit about keanu reeves personal life but like such a, it's my uncle. This is the yeah. person you look to your elders. You look to for guidance in life. And immediately, I mean, I always knew this, but like, that was just another case of like, you're not a good person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think the casting on this film was, was good casting. Good cat. I, I will say this, and this kind of feeds into something I said earlier. And that's, Carpenter isn't the best director when it comes to coaxing a performance out of his actors. And uh, I give all respect to Keith Gordon and John Stockwell and Alexandra Paul, but I don't think they were at a place where they were getting the best out of themselves, maybe working with a director like John Carpenter. Especially right. Alexander Paul, who was like really new to the scene. Yeah. And I think that's why the scenes. Oh, I forgot to mention um, Christine Belford, who plays the mo yeah, Arnie's, Arnie's mom. mom. She's fucking perfect. Yeah, she's great. She's great. He, 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 Carpenter cast the peripheral characters really well. Because I think he went for actors act. These are character actors, it feels like, that are coming in yeah. and they're doing the job. They're doing a great job. John Carpenter could let them loose to do their nuancey thing they want to do, the chew in the mouth. Maybe it was a Carpenter thing. Maybe it wasn't. Either way, it was, I loved it. And he really, like, it sets, it's like this set dressing almost that, like, really 
puts more life into the film than 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 you than is necessary. You could, if you didn't give these people the opportunities to do those kind of roles or to to put into it what they put into it, this could be a really hard watch. Yeah, but the movie comes to life when Robert Frosty comes on camera. Yeah, it's and, a, it makes it a fun watch. And that's kind of brings up like so. I think it drags at time, and I think it drags because it lacks uh, chemistry a between woman the... or a, a feminine's touch mm-hmm. to some of the storyline elements and some of the performances that maybe would have benefited from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, recasting. Oh yeah, and I don't yeah. mean I don't mean to be in an insulting way, but I can't help when I watch just to think of like. Who else would have been good in this? Gotcha. That really, really would have made it shine. Um, just to touch base, initially Columbia Pictures wanted to cast uh, Brooke Shields, apparently, uh, in the role of Lee, which Makes I think would total have been sense. Makes total sense. Brilliant, obviously. Um, and Scott Bayo as Arnie, which I think maybe could have worked. Scar- Scott Bayo, Undeni- cool cat. Undeniably handsome. Um, yeah, I think I, he could have pulled off the nerdiness. Uh, I, I I don't see it. Uh, the other uh big uh name attached to it was Kevin Bacon. Oh, and appa- apparently he, yeah, no, 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 as as Arnie. Oh, as Arnie, uh, but oh, he's interesting. Yeah, but I think Kevin Bacon could have pulled off nerdy and cool because yeah, I think he's Kevin Bacon. It's not traditionally handsome in my, I, I was. No, it's this, I didn't understand as a younger man. I didn't understand. I thought he was a very, he had like a very ugly face. Um, as Sorry. I was like, Sorry I don't understand that. why girls like footloose so much, but no, no, as, as like an adult now, I'm like, fuck, he is a handsome guy and he's not traditionally handsome. But the thing that makes him so attractive is the innate qualities that have nothing to do with his physicality. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's his, is it's his charm. It's his, is like innate values. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of these things. And you watch him and you see him as a person. And you're like, God damn, that is, I want to be around that person. Yeah. You know? So like I could have bought him as the nerd and as like the, the transitional character um i I like that i like that casting a lot kevin bacon uh, so would you do you have like a pairing of people that you would maybe would have liked to have seen just in a fantasy world cast in these parts and then if you were to cast it nowadays okay so who maybe would you put in it because they are there are rumors i don't know like it's, it's all out there they are there is, uh, it's in the works that uh, Blumhouse and Sony are working to uh, uh, remake Christine, which could be interesting. So, listeners, um, I will tell you that, that preemptively, Michelangelo did ask me to be prepared for this, and I must have completely misunderstood what you were saying. <laughs> oh, I, really? Because I only chose castings for today. So people of the oh, age okay, that's for cool. a modern day retelling of this story in the modern period. Does that make sense? You mean in, in the seventies where it's set? No, 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 no. If this were set in 2023, 
Gotcha. Okay. So who okay. would those be? I would love to know. So, so I went a step further and completely reimagined that I was giving a pitch session for the 2023 version of Christine. And gotcha. right off the bat, we're going Arnie is played by Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Zendaya is not a nerd as much as she is struggling with her sexuality. So she's, mm. she's, she's a bit closeted and she's, she's an outsider because of it. And her best friend, Dennis is played by Lucas Hedges. Do you know Lucas Hedges? I'm acting like I know who any of the people you are saying. Z- Zendaya? Are. I don't know. I don't know who Zendaya is. Zendaya is incredible. I'm sorry. Don. I'm sure I do. I just don't. What, oh, is, she, wow. what is she on? Uh, she's in the movie Dune. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. In, yeah. Yeah. Euphoria. Okay. But anyway, and Luke, Lucas Hedges is in like mid 90s. Uh, he's in Lady Bird. He's in Honey Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in. Uh, uh, I finally got around to seeing uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, yeah. So he, so he would be Dennis, um, best friend, supportive of Zendaya, but also a good athlete and, and somewhat popular. Then Lee is played by Elle Fanning. And the thing with Lee is, is that Lee is also a lesbian, new to the school, and she has, she. She initially, her and Zendaya have a have a coming of age moment where they're able to have a relationship together. Then Buddy is played by Timothy Chalamet in an, <laughs> in, in, yeah. an Oscar, in an Oscar worthy performance where he's playing uh-huh. this like like burnout stoner type that's like a year or two older than he should be to be in that grade, uh-huh. but he's failed so many times and he's like. But he oozes sexuality, right? And he's like mm-hmm. scary because you're like, I kind of love this guy, but I also am really scared of him because he's just he's he's like he's off his rocker, man. He's he's crazy, he's zany. And then Darnell, who is really the parent figure for Zendaya, is played by Nick Offerman. Oh, I mean, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and and Zendaya, who is obviously attacked by um, Timothy Chalamet's buddy now is taking her this classic car that she's found and you know getting her vengeance against these bullies who have messed with her because of her coming of age story being interrupted but in the process she's overtaken by this this car and she has to essentially end her relationship with El Fanning destroying her chance at true happiness and obviously you know Lucas Hedges and El Fanning bind together to try to save Zendaya and you know this is this is a this is a modern tale, man. This is a whole new spin on it. Who's Christine? Well, Christine's played by an AI robot in a Tesla. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it talks the whole time. <laughs> and this is where this is where the movie has jumped the shark, and people are like, "Yeah, we're not uh, buying yeah, into this." Yeah, 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 no, no, no. That's where you lost you lost me at the car. You got to rethink the car. Bad idea. This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. This is a bad. Idea. No voice. No voice. No, no, no voice. No voice. You just you. Who would you like? Blank. Like clear your mind. Okay. What car can you vi- envision as like a like twenty year old car for twenty twenty three? That's Oof. like a classic. A classic from the the late nineties, early two thousands. I could like see a it. Dodge Viper. 
I could I could see it being <laughs> there was for those of you who don't know, the fucking Dodge Viper had a show. There was a show where it was just like it was a cool guy. He had a Dodge Viper that was like cool. It was like it was, it was an agent, maybe. I don't it was a show that was on TV that had multiple seasons. Maybe it's something like a Hummer. Cause like a Hummer was like a vehicle that kind of had its moment there. In no, the late but 90s that's stuff. douchey. That was always, a okay. Hummer's okay. always been douchey. It can't okay. be a okay. douchey car. So the Viper's out as well. So, so it has to, you're, you're thinking some kind of like classic looking car. It couldn't be a cabriolet. It couldn't be like something is, like that. Is there a classic looking car from 20 years ago? No, there's really not. This is what I, I mean. mean that's artillery. that's the problem with being our age. Is like you gotta yeah. ask somebody. Like, what what does your son think a classic car looks like? You know, because I I still I I'm not from the 50s or 60s, but that's where my my mind goes for oh, a classic classics, car. Yeah, I want a car from like the fucking 60s. You know, no, I I think that right. I think honestly, kids now, cool cars are exotics, exotic, foreign like souped up luxury cars. And that's what they think is cool, you know? It'd be something like a BMW Z3 or something. Fair enough. Um, so, if I were to recast it back then... <laughs> See how I missed I totally missed the whole point of that. That's cool. That's cool. Because what I'm doing is more insulting than what okay. you did. You, what okay. you did was cool. Um, I could see Eric Stoltz killing Eric it as Stoltz. Arnie. One of the one of the treasures that I think was never fully deployed to its full potential. You know, the guy took a fucking hit. He he was he starred in Back to the Future for I a know. few weeks and then got fired. But he's still in the movie. No, he isn't. Yeah, they did. They they kept where two, they kept two shots of his, the back of his head. In oh the yes, final yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, so Eric Stoltz, I think he's such a phenomenal actor. I think he could have pulled off. Uh, the transition already goes through. That's a great, that's great casting. Thank you. Uh, I think Ralph Macchio also would be great. I buy him as a cool guy and as a nerd. Uh, see Thomas Howell. Okay, I could yeah, see yeah. as Arnie or Dennis. Yeah. Uh, but let me, and, 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 you know, for, for Lee, I got to tell you for many years, I thought it was Catherine Mary Stewart. Oh, that's that's interesting. Who's in like Night of the Comet? Mm -hmm. She is. I love her so much. <laughs> We're gonna talk about Night of the Comet at some point, <laughs> but I love her so much. She would have oh, been wow. great as Lee. I said I already said Kelly Preston would have been great as Lee. Also, um, uh, in in my mind, it was either I always remembered Catherine Mary Stewart or Elizabeth Shue. In my head, I was like, "Oh yeah, Elizabeth Shue plays that part. She would have been great. She would have been, she would have been fantastic because she is one of those people <clears throat> who is like, she's obviously very beautiful, but the thing that makes her otherworldly is her charisma yeah. and her charm. Uh, you know, I'm tell you, I have, <clears throat> I have moments where Adventures in Babysitting mm. is like such a special coming of age movie for me." It was like realizing that, like, I, I, I she, she awoke in me in ways yep. in that movie 
Where I was like, every every heterosexual male, I give anything. Every homosexual woman who saw that movie (laughs) at that age had the same awakening. Yeah. Um. uh, So it's interesting to me that I always like in my head those were the two people who played her character, Alexandra Paul. She just didn't have. I think she was just too new. At that time, you know, yeah. she a Carpenter wanted like sometimes directors want raw talents. And I, I really think it's like you need a seasoned professional. Yeah. In a lead in, in, a, in a, a crucial, especially when it's like an underwritten part mm-hmm. like it is in this film. Yeah. Like you got to have somebody who brings like like a wealth to an yeah. underwritten part that makes it sing. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard. It's a hard part to fulfill. Um, but I got to tell you, I have an idea about this. Okay. I want to. I I, I would have loved. I would love to see. This is in a an imaginary world. Okay. Right. Okay. John Carpenter direct yeah. a true detective esque type season. You know, just one season. Okay. Starring Harry Dean Stanton and Kurt Russell as the detectives. And <laughs> Keith ha- and, and Keith David is the red herring. That's 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 what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see I want to see Kurt Russell and Keith David in every single <laughs> John Carpenter movie. And I want Harry Dean Stanton in anything is value yeah, added. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, for sure. I wanted more. Uh, just his scenes were just like, man, I want to watch a whole movie about this detective, Detective Rudy. So, and if you are interested in the, in the detective, read the book. He's got a bigger part. The book elaborates a lot on stuff. It'll it it elaborates I... on like the romance that blooms between Lee and Dennis. No, oh, okay. Uh, as a result of them trying to save his friend, interesting. Um, uh, his parents, which are criminally underrented, I, I I thought like my least favorite scene in this film is when Arnie like grabs his dad by the throat. When his yeah. dad's like, "Listen, you don't talk to your mother," and he grabs his dad, and the dad just like it to me. That scene looked like an actor who was like, "Listen," it was like, "Listen, we got a certain amount of time. We got to finish the scene." He grabs your throat. You're shocked by it. You can't believe your son grabbed your throat. Mm-hmm. Just freeze up, and then we move on. I didn't buy his reaction as a believable reaction within the world I was watching. Okay, the book is way bigger than it has any right to be. Yeah, right. Um. Uh. Uh. No, no offense to King. Um. And that's what he does best. He elaborates on things mm-hmm. and he makes sense of things. Um, and his father plays a bigger role and his parents play a bigger role in everything. Dennis's parents play a bigger role in things. Uh, uh, Lee's parents play a role in things. Um, uh, so if, if this movie intrigued you, I implore you to read the book. It's very different out of the two. I do prefer the film. It's just lean and mean and fun. It's just lean yeah. and mean and fun. Yeah. I love King. I adore King. If you if you've been listening, you know I love Stephen King. Uh, uh, but like God, I don't I don't know if I, that's a good that's a good podcast right there. Who who do you love more, Stephen King or John Carpenter? Whoa, <laughs> you know, 
that's that's, tough. that's, that's sacrilegious. Tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I I don't think I would have gone to Stephen King without a John Carpenter. Because John Carpenter got me interested in like delving into the scary places. Uh, I, I I like seeing stuff on fire when Christine's on fire and like the explosion at the gas station. I forgot like how awesome seeing yep. stuff explode and be on like real fire looks like on screen. Michael Bay kind of ruined it. I got I got to tell you for me. Uh I, I my apologies to Michael Bay fans who are listening. Um but Michael Bay is like the guy who wears too much cologne. Yeah. Kind of he kind of ruined film yeah. explosions. He was yeah. like, "Oh, film explosions are cool. Let me do it way too much." Right? And present myself in a way that this is practical. And that that's because I do have a thing where I'm like, there's something I love about ridiculous, obvious CGI, like craziness where it's like almost bonker shit that could never actually happen. Could only happen in a CG world. I think a lot about that because I, cause I, I agree with what you're saying, Michelangelo. It's like, I miss practical effects and how awe inspiring they are, but we live in a CG world. And there are some things that I love watching big, crazy ridiculousness because, because we can do it. And we're going to push the limits and just see where we can go with this thing. And we're going to have fun with it and let the audience know that, hey, we're just being crazy right now. I don't know if that, if that translates to you at all, what I'm trying to say. But, but I see no, it, I it, see does. it a lot. It does. Like, like sometimes CG really does something that I like that would never be able to have happened with a practical effect. And there are some times that I'm like, why are you going with this CG version of something you could do smaller, more practical, and be just as awe-inspiring, like the gas station exploding in Christine? You know, it's it's one of those things where, um, like, I don't know if you've watched uh, the new Apple show, Hello Tomorrow. I watched, I watched episode one. Uh, I, I love that show, and all of the effects on it are practical effects, and what they do is CGI out like the puppeteers because all the robots, Oh, the robots are incredible. All, all, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. The robots so cool. are puppeteers and like, it's like they CGI out like the strings and stuff like on walking dead. Um, uh, I, I have my issues with it, but like, you know, a lot of the effects during the good seasons mm-hmm. are practical and they just, you know, the, the famous scene where like a lot of people are getting their throats slit with the machete. Yeah. into a trough it's like they just cgi out like all the tubes with right. the fake blood that's spurting you know and it's like that's cgi should be used to enhance practical effects mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fire still just doesn't look my fire is awesome yeah fire looks so fucking cool it's it's a living breathing thing that consumes everything and to see christine just covered in it yeah running down our our like our 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 protagonist's Mm -hmm. antagonist is like so fucking cool yeah it's it's a it's got some magic on it this movie has some magic on it like i said at the top this movie is better than it has any right to be absolutely absolutely A, a guy uh, a person is hired, like, to do a job, and he's at this 
insane creative period in his life and he just can't help but make this like really gorgeous movie a film like this is is very fun very watchable i would say you and i would make a great dennis and arnie well obviously you know who's going to be dennis you Yep. <laughs> Marika. <laughs> Marika's gonna be Marika's Dennis. Aren't, Dennis. You're gonna be you're gonna be nerdy Arnie and I'm gonna be Christine Arnie. Yeah, it tra you transfer <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna you're gonna turn into me once you have Christine. And Molly is Christine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Molly, for those of you who don't know, we've been talking about Molly. Molly is Mickey's wife. She's also the voice you hear at the top of every episode. Obviously, this belongs in the King Tyrion section Absolutely. of the video store. Yes, I mean, we both agree on this. Undeniable. I, 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 Undeniable. I'd be, yeah, I'd be curious to know Marika's viewpoint on that. Um, so who would you recommend Christine to who walks into the video store? So my recommendations for Christine are, and I, I don't do this a lot, is anybody that walks into our store Needs to watch Christine. <laughs> Needs to watch Christine. <laughs> Any, if you're walking into the return slot of horror to to go through our many, many subsections and personal, you know, curation, then you if you haven't seen Christine, you gotta watch Christine. It's John Carpenter, it's Stephen King. Get the fuck out of here if you don't want to watch this. Movie. Okay. And yourself? Who are you recommending? Um, so I, I, like, I, I think I have been the, the worst abuser of the, if you're a, if you're a member of our video store, <laughs> you need to see this. So I disagree with you a little bit. Mm. And this is where I think uh, I, I, man, I, I wish Marika was on this because Marika always, you never know where Marika is going to go. Right. Okay. Mar Marika didn't really like the thing. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. It's you're like, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of a fucking classic, man. <laughs> um not kind of, it is a classic. So uh uh um I, I would have loved to have known her opinion on it, but I do feel like this is a situation where you have to be forgiving of certain elements. Okay. So if you're a if you're if you're a diehard john carpenter fan you gotta see this movie obviously so we don't have marika to take us out on french i, I well actually believe it or not, I, I have some prepared french you have some prepared french yeah no you don't yeah i did you you crazy bastard you i, um, I was prepared um uh i do can i before you do your french okay i have a teaser oh okay for for our next section okay are you a fan of mel brooks of course yeah okay we're not doing any mel brooks films <laughs> was, but yeah but it's a section in the video store called werewolf werewolf <laughs> you knew exactly what i was doing yes yeah man let's so, do it We'll be talking about werewolf movies, and there might be some crossover from the Quintirian section to werewolf. I love this. I werewolf, yeah. <laughs> I am excited. Okay. <laughs> all right, so, all right, cue the music. Roll me out. Here comes my French. This is going to sound just like Marika. Oh, 
Alright, hold on. Regardez this film. Stephen King as genial. And John Corpander as genial. Nos amans marica et bonne nuit. I think I got that right. I don't know. Uh, you got it so right. You got it so, dude. You did yeah. way better than Marika's ever done. I, I think Did my you French. Speaking French. I think my French might be better than hers. <laughs> <laughs>